ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk All Around Sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 280th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items, as well as my event of the week that I covered, which was the NCAA Lacrosse National Championships at nearby Gillette Stadium. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week is, of course, the NBA playoffs and the Golden State Warriors just literally putting on a show. Uh, They just play a beautiful brand of basketball that was never more in evidence in games as it was in games one and two as they defeated the Cleveland Cavaliers to take a 2-0 lead. Both games were out at Oracle Arena in Oakland. And it was, again, just something to see. Uh, Kevin Durant came up huge in the first two games, and Steph Curry uh, was just literally putting on a show. Uh, His dribble past LeBron for the layup last night was truly a thing of beauty, and I think we'll go down as one of his all-time signature plays. Uh, That's saying something, given his proclivity for draining three-point shots. Uh, which he also was doing in the first two games. So the two of them combined, uh, as Jalen wrote, or Paul Pierce said last night, he called them in the post-game show, maybe one of, if not the greatest duo on the same team in NBA history. Quite a bold statement. Uh, And he was questioned by his colleagues, Chauncey Billup and Jalen Rose, pretty quickly on that one. Michelle Beadle, but, uh, you know, it was fresh in everybody's mind and the show they put on the first two games, including last night was, uh, I could see where a statement like that would come from. No doubt about it. Uh, so it's just really spectacular to watch. Uh, last night was especially interesting in that Steve Kerr finally, uh, showed up in the playoffs for the first time, to actually be on the bench coaching his Warriors. And uh, they were thrilled about that. Great standing ovation from the crowd. And given the suffering he has had happen with his back surgery from two years ago, uh, you know, just great to see him out there again. He is, uh, I'm a fan. I think he's a very likable guy. And, uh, What he's done there has been nothing short of amazing. So great to see Steve Kerr back on the bench. 
as he guided the Warriors to their 14th straight playoff victory. They've been running the table so far, 14-0 in these playoffs. Uh, I believe it set a record last night, 14 wins to start the playoffs. And now they only need two more to go. So it's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, Game three in Cleveland, Wednesday night. Clearly is must-see television. Uh, nobody's counting out the Cavaliers based on what we saw last year when they came back from 3-1 to win the championship. So should be fun. But that leads into my low light of the week was that the, uh, the games, as interesting as they are, and the beautiful brand of basketball that's being played up and down the floor, both teams, uh, they continue to be non-competitive. Uh, and by that, I mean they're basically over by midway through the fourth quarter. So we're not getting to see the buzzer beaters that we all love about the NBA. So uh, we'll see what happens in Cleveland. My bizarre story of the week is uh, from the NHL playoffs, the Nashville Predators, P.K. Subban, claiming that Sidney Crosby said his breath smelled bad. Crosby said that P.K. made it up. So uh, interesting playoff there. Now two to one in favor of the Pens. And uh, spiced it up with a little bad breath claim. So, uh, pretty bizarre, to say the least. And my event of the week that I covered was Memorial Day weekend's NCAA Lacrosse National Championships at Gillette Stadium. They were fabulous. I went over four straight days. uh, And it was just spectacular. Also went over for some practices. Uh... Not the first time they've been held at Gillette Stadium. Always a good venue for it. And it was a great high-energy crowds each day throughout, despite not the best weather. And uh, for the championship game on Monday when Maryland, the men's championship, when Maryland beat Ohio State, there was 30,000 on Memorial Day at uh, 1 in the afternoon, I believe it was. So it was great was also a little extra special because Bill Belichick, noted lacrosse fan, was was on the grounds and taking pictures and whatnot uh, with various teams like the Boston College women's team. So it was really cool. And uh, Patriots were there doing OTAs. And uh, at one point they came walking through the tunnel during the practice day and uh, the women's teams who were practicing that day were in awe. One of them was uh, Penn State. Chris Hogan, receiver for the Patriots, who played lacrosse at Penn State. Uh, and someone I've written a story on for the NFL Player Engagement website. Uh, of course, did not play football Penn State. Played lacrosse. And so he was on the grounds as well, interacting and... Uh, So it was just great to see. So as I said, Maryland beat Ohio State on Monday for the men's national championship. Uh, And the other two teams in the final four were Towson State and University of Denver on the men's side. On the women's side, Maryland made it a doubleheader, sort of like uh, UConn men and women winning the basketball national championships twice um, in the same year. Uh, Maryland beat Boston College in the women's championship game on Sunday morning. 
And uh, the other two teams there were Penn State and Navy. Uh, it was great to see the Penn State uh, women's team there. I've had, uh, uh, as all you listeners know, I have grew up near Penn State. And uh, so it was just wonderful to talk to some people there. And so it was really just a, a banner weekend. Lacrosse crowd, uh, they're unique. They're unique, and I mean that in all the best ways. They're really into it, uh, tailgating, and just hanging around around the stadium, what's called Patriots Place, uh, was just alive all weekend long. So just a great take, as it has been in years past. I was... Uh, Pleased to be credentialed to cover the event and just really enjoyed it immensely and uh, a great time had by all. So now let's take our break and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now. Just like the game itself, you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. Join the show. Call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazines, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today? Hey, doing great, John. Glad to be here. Oh, we're glad to have you on, as always. And uh, so let's get right to the big story in the world of sports, which, of course, is the Golden State Warriors just putting on a show in the first two games of the NBA playoffs and defeating the Cavs, Cleveland Cavaliers, both games. And uh, last night, I was just sitting there watching that, especially in the third quarter, just saying, this is some of the most interesting, exciting, beautiful brand of basketball I've ever seen played in my life, up and down the floor. It was awesome. Yeah, John, I mean, those those people we've 
uh, said this many times, they're so highly skilled. I mean, all of them. I mean, you pass the basketball, some, they can shoot it, they, they can catch, they can dribble, they can drive, they can pitch. I mean, it's, it's just wonderful. When you look on the court, I mean, there's no positions. It's, they're all basketball players. So that's what makes it so difficult to guard for Cleveland. It's almost, if they're hitting their shots, it's almost impossible uh, for the uh, Cavaliers to win this series. It sure sure feels that way. And, of course, everybody's saying, and we are too, you know, the the difference between this year and last year when the Cavs stormed back from down 3-1 is, again, the presence of Kevin Durant. Uh, He is just a man on a mission. No doubt about it. We've been saying that for a couple weeks on the show and total business-like, no-nonsense approach. And, you know, he's playing all facets. He's playing defense uh, as hard as I've ever seen him play, it feels like he's, you know, <laughs> you know, be it under the basket as a rim protector or, you know, out making steals and, you know, just draining every kind of shot. Uh, Three-pointers inside, that shot he hit as he was falling to the floor last night, that was amazing. <laughs> so it, it's fun to see. I mean, he is just, I mean, he went there for a reason, to win a championship, obviously, and he is just hell-bent and determined to do it, uh, just by the look in his eye. John, one of the shots was a three-pointer when he just stopped and popped. I mean, right. You just don't, I mean, where have you seen that from a seven-footer or someone close to seven feet? just doesn't happen. Never. It just. I was thinking that on a couple of his three-pointers last night. Uh, yeah. He just, I've never seen it done before by someone his size, the way he can stop on a dime, elevate. And, you know, his swishes are perfect. They look like Steph Curry. I mean, there's no doubt about them. Uh, It is just really uh, good to see him really at the top of his game. He's obviously, I think, played the best two games of his life, the past two games. I really do. And he's had some good ones. Uh, But this is, even for him, next level. Yeah, I think so, John. I, I believe all those players combined, they're playing without a conscience. When they take a shot, they feel it's going in, and they're not worried about the, the consequences because they they know that they have the cast of characters and uh, highly skilled players that can they can win this series, and uh, you know they're the best team in the world. So I mean, they're just playing with you know relentless you know on defense. Uh, that's some, something people don't like to bring up, but they're very good. And when you're scoring 132 points a game, it, it's very difficult to beat. I mean, especially on their home court. I mean, you know, in Cleveland, when they go to Cleveland, yeah, you know, I suspect Cleveland would, would win that third game. I think so, believe it or not, even though Golden State's been playing fantastic and Clay Thompson came to life last night with 20 points. But uh, He sure did. They, they won that game last night, John, with 20 turnovers and scored 132 points. Well, exactly right. And I was going to mention Clay Thompson. I'm glad you did. Uh, yeah, I mean... I've been saying, you know, for last couple weeks that, uh, you know, he hasn't really uh, been himself yet. But last night he finally was, but he always plays good defense and whatnot and, you know, contributes to victories. And they've had nothing but victories. So, yeah, the game in Cleveland is going to be fascinating, and I agree. It feels and seems like the Cavs will win. But the one thing I think Golden State has going for them uh, – you know, they're 14-0. and They haven't lost in the postseason, which is just an incredible statement to even utter. 
Um, it's like hard to just fathom. Uh, we, they have yet to lose in the postseason. So I got the feeling, you know, the way they got, you know, had the best season, regular season in NBA history last year, but had nothing to show for it. Uh, I think they would like to uh, make up for that by going 16-0. and 0. So I think they are going to be playing desperate tomorrow night because I really, really, they, they've not said it, but I really believe they would like to, again, make up for last year's defeat and basically rendering their record me regular season meaningless by, you know, really having the best record you could ever possibly have in my mind, which would be running the table in the playoffs. Yeah, that's a good point, John. Uh, you know, last year they had a fabulous season with no trophy. So this Correct. year, I mean, that's like a double exclamation point if you can go undefeated in the playoffs. And, uh, last one I can recall getting closest, wasn't it Philadelphia maybe, when they won the title with Dr. J and Moses Malone? Yeah, they could, that's they when Mo- one loss or something maybe. Yeah, Moses said, fo, 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 that one. <laughs> something like that, right? <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> um, they did have one loss, I believe. Uh, but, yeah, it's... Uh, that, to me, is you know the pinnacle of basically NBA history. I do believe they set the record last night. I, I don't think anybody had ever won more than 13 in a row, so I think they're already in the record books. But, you know, without a championship, it's completely meaningless, just like last year's regular season. Yeah. Uh, but it would just be, for them, I think, so much sweeter. So I got the feeling Wednesday night in Cleveland could be the all-time knockdown dragout because I feel that, Golden State is going to play desperate to try to get that, uh, keep their undefeated record, and it goes without saying that Cleveland is just going to be uh, beyond desperate. They have to win this game. So I think it's going to be great. I mean, you know, the other thing about these first two games, especially last night, is, you know, LeBron played great. And I, I will say one thing I observed last night in the second half, I think the first time I've ever said it in my life, of watching LeBron James is he looked tired uh, with that pace in the third quarter. Not surprising, but he really looked winded on a couple of occasions in the second half and, you know, uh, headed to the bench once or twice. So you, not something we're used to seeing, that's for sure. No, no, it looks like things are weighing on him slightly, and that pace is, is phenomenal that the Golden State plays at each game. Uh, I'm not sure their style, you know, they're more of that, that isolation one-on-one with LeBron James and, and Irving. Uh, and, you know, Kevin Love's a good player, but oh, yeah. when, you have the, when you have the supporting chaos, hit one or two shots, that's that's tough because if everybody's putting up points, LeBron and uh, Irving and Kevin Love, but the supporting cast maybe is with, comes in with one or two shots, uh, the, it, it doesn't add up. The totals won't add up to a victory. I mean, 132 Number one, they've got to uh, do a better job of slowing down Golden State somehow. They can't let them score 130-something points and expect to win. I just don't think they can outscore them with that 130-point game. Right. Well, LeBron and Love both had big numbers last night, so that has to be especially uh, defeating for the Cavs to know that they both had excellent games, and yet uh, you know, it was over by midway through the fourth quarter. Uh, I think the key tomorrow night and someone that we absolutely, or excuse me, Wednesday night that we know can go off at any moment is, of course, Kyrie Irving. Uh, he is 
right there with LeBron and Durant and Curry in my book as like, if he sets his mind to scoring, he is as impossible a player to stop as there is in the league in my mind. He's a scoring machine. Yeah, he's very big and powerful when he goes to the basket, and he doesn't settle for the jump shot outside as much. Uh, But once again, like I said, they have to have those supporting players on the home court now in Cleveland come through. Correct, correct, yeah. It's, uh, you know, the NBA Finals are a different animal. Uh, You know, Kyle Korver looked a little bit, uh, you know, overwhelmed, and I like him. He's a good player, great three-point shooter, obviously. But uh, he he just uh, seemed a little frustrated on one play last night. Somebody blew right by him under the basket for an easy two. And you could just see his frustration from that. And, uh, again, it was all about the pace. Uh, But to me, the highlight of the night was when Steph Curry, you know, was putting move after move on LeBron. And basically from out practically near midcourt, well around around the three-point circle, and he just basically shaked and baked with like three or four different moves. And ultimately, it was just him and LeBron one-on-one. Uh, and ultimately, you know, he got around him for that layup. And uh, I think that may get down with all his three-point shots and expertise over the years. I think at this moment in time, that's the signature play of his career. I really believe that. I think so, John. There was a little... But if you look closely, I thought he touched the ball with the—I mean, with his second hand. I thought there was a double dribble call he missed. Correct. Yeah. Well, I don't—I don't think they call that in traveling anymore. I think those—I <laughs> think those uh, calls have just gone out the window. Uh, and then Curry also made a fabulous pass from right around the top of the key, where he then, you know, put, you know, the. The circles around his eyes, and I think he hit Livingston, who also did the same thing after the basket. Did yeah. you pick up on that? Talking about vision, that was the message they were sending. Right, right. I saw that play. I sure did. Yeah. So I mean, it's great. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm reminded, especially with passes like that, of you know, after the Heat on Ray Allen's shot came back to beat the San Antonio Spurs a couple years ago. Uh, you know. With LeBron, of course, the Spurs basically stewed about it all offseason and then came back with that spectacular victory the following year over the same heat in the playoffs when Kawhi Leonard was just otherworldly and they were, they just put on a show in every single game for like passing and making that extra pass like we've never seen before. And, you know, so far it feels like a repeat of that, that we just have the Warriors. Uh, have been just obsessing since they lost last year's finals to get back against the Cavs. And they're just like, they're playing like the the Spurs of a few years ago, that they're just desperate, not going to be denied. Yeah, it seems like the formula to be a LeBron James team, you have some superstars, but there's quite a bit of uh, players that contribute to, to the total points. I mean, if you're going to match up LeBron and everybody else, he's going to probably beat you one-on-one. And But if you get more players involved, it seems like that is the way to beat any team where he's he's the lead scorer. Correct, correct. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know if you saw the post-game last night, but Paul Pierce said a couple interesting things. He said that Kevin, Jane, or Kevin Durant uh, was the best player in the world. Uh, which got 
you know, a, a lot of interest from Chauncey Billups and, and Jalen Rose and Michelle Beadle, of course. He also then said that, uh, or no, I think it was Jeff Van Gundy maybe during the telecast said that Curry and Durant are maybe the best duo on one team in the history of the NBA. So both bold statements. I can understand both after witnessing what we witnessed last night. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, both statements obviously uh, uh, are tough to really, you know, uh, digest given the history of the NBA. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I wouldn't agree with that statement. I, I think if I had to think just top of my head, the best duo of all time, I'd probably put maybe Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And exactly, and that's what Jalen Rose said last, or that's somebody said that immediately last night. Yeah, That's the exact I, I, example they use, so I agree with that. Yeah, I'd have to think of a couple. In other words, and, and I might even think of somebody like Jerry West and Elgin Baylor. I mean, they got to the final so many times. Of course, they were playing against about seven or eight Hall of Famers with the Celtics. So, but they stayed in there um, through a lot of those series. But, uh, it's highly debatable. And, and Kevin Durant versus LeBron James, the best player in the world right now, I'd have to think about that for a day or so and see uh, which side I might fall on. Yeah. Uh, bottom line, you know, you can't even have the conversation in my book until Kevin Durant wins a championship. LeBron's won three, I believe. He's been obviously in his seven straight finals. So it just doesn't stack up. But, you know, uh, there's a little hedging, like the best player in the world, quote, today, uh, as right. in last night. But, right. you know, I can't even buy into that. It, it, to me, again, when Kevin Durant's holding the trophy, then you can entertain the thought. Yeah. Uh, but... You know, it, it is just, uh, you know, fascinating to watch. Uh, you know, to me, the biggest thing is, you know, the, the Warriors have won a championship before KD two years ago, obviously. And to me, the storyline is obviously, can, can KD finish, especially now, ahead 2-0, heading on the road, can he finish the job to get the championship? That is the ultimate challenge right now. And anybody who watched last year with the Cavs storming back from 3-1, uh, knows that anything can still happen. Yeah, John, I mean, Cleveland does not have to have a blowout to win. They just have to win by a point for Correct. a game. I mean, they, 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 they have to look into a win here and there. I mean, they don't have to dominate. I mean, it still counts as a win. So, I mean, that's what people fail to realize, I think. They're, they're trying to think, well, how could Cleveland win? Well, that, that's it. Win. One point. That's all that matters. Not 10 points, 20 points. You don't have to dominate. You can squeak by a play here, a play there. The game's close at the end. LeBron takes over with his drives to the basket or Irving or Kevin Love. So that that's all that matters in the end. Well, exactly. And uh, to me, you know, as we close out this segment, and I reference this at the beginning of the show, is the only downside of all of this is that, like, the first two games have been over by the middle of the fourth quarter. So... The thing we all love most about the NBA, of course, is the buzzer beaters and whatnot. And we're just not getting that. We're getting this beautiful brand of basketball that's just fabulous to witness. But, you know, well, you know what I'd like to see is, you know, a game in the last minute, tied, whatever, uh, in question. And, and see how that all turns out uh, and see where 
where everybody falls in that circumstance from Durant to LeBron uh, and everybody else on the floor. So I got the feeling we might be seeing that on Wednesday night. I, I, I really do. So I, that's what I'm hoping for. I, you know, the game in question in the last minute, and then we're really going to see the cream rise to the top. Yeah, I think so, John. I'm hoping for that myself, and so is the rest of America, because all the best exactly. players are in the game, the two best teams, and uh, let's see what happens on Wednesday. Exactly. Well, it's going to be great. Has been great. And coming up uh, after this break will be a segment that is one of my favorites of the year. I think it's one of yours, which is discussing the College Football Hall of Fame ballot that was released last week, late last week. And uh, a lot of big names, and we'll walk through some of them. Uh, There's a lot of them. So we'll do that after the break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. You can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., one of our favorite shows of the year is when they announced the College Football Hall of Fame ballot, which they did a few days ago, and some huge names. You and I love our college football, discuss it basically every single show we do together. And uh, So why don't I take a minute and just run through some of the big names that jumped out at me. How's that sound? Perfect, John. Excellent. All right. Well, I'm going to go in alphabetical order, and here here's some of the nominees. Morton Anderson, Mark Bavaro, Michael Bishop, Lomas Brown, Terrell Buckley, Keith Byers, Mark Carrier, Matt Cavanaugh, Carrie Collins, Tim Couch, Kenneth Davis, Eric Dickerson, Jumbo Elliott, Kevin Falk, Robert Gallery, 
Tony Gonzalez, Martin Gramatica, Dan Hampton, Craig Hayward, Ironhead, Terry Holt, um, excuse me here, a lot of paper, it's a long list, Rahib Ismail, The Rocket, Calvin Johnson, Megatron, EJ Jr., Rick Leach, Ray Lewis, Ed McCaffrey, Caden McNown, Ken Norton Jr., Phil Olson, Jim Otis, Paul Palmer, Jake Plummer, Troy Palomalu, Antoine Randall L., Ed Reed, Simeon Rice, Ron Rivera, Warren Sapp, Aaron Taylor, Troy Vincent, Chris Ward, Michael Westbrook, Lorenzo White, Patrick Willis, Steve Wisniewski, and Charles Woodson. And then from the coaching ranks, we have Frank Beamer, Mac Brown, Jim Carlin from West Virginia, Daryl Rogers. So AP, that is a mouthful, that's for sure. That's a, it's always a very tough vote. Yeah, I think it's 10 or 11 you have to vote for at that level. And right. the coaches as well, I think one or two. So every time when I look at this ballot, I'm thinking, how am I going to narrow it down to that 10 or 11, whatever that number is every year? I'm, I'm just beside myself because they're all worthy candidates. It's just a question of which ones you're going to vote for that year. Well, exactly. And, you know, for me, and I'm sure for you and for everybody, it's just such a walk down memory lane. You know, these all these people represent various periods of my life going back to my childhood. I mean, just starting near the top, you know, uh, being from Pennsylvania, you know, Matt Cavanaugh, Kerry Collins. I saw them both play. Matt Cavanaugh was a quarterback with Tony Dorsett when they won the national championship in 1976. And then Carrie Collins, uh, when they had the undefeated team in 1994 with Bobby Ingram and Kajada Carter, uh, I went out to that Rose Bowl when they beat Oregon to finish the season undefeated. So, yeah, uh, and it just goes on and on. But, you know, those two, again, jumped right out at me given, uh, you know, growing up on college football in Pennsylvania and, uh, yeah, it's just amazing. So, anybody like that for you? I know there's some Alabama players, I believe. Yeah, EJ Jr., he was kind of an exceptional right. player from Alabama, very Correct. versatile linebacker. He ended up playing in the pros, and he played some of that at Alabama besides defensive end. So, he was kind of like the first player that I watched uh, from Alabama that fit that mold of, you know, you know Derek Thomas, Cornelius Bennett. He was be- uh, prior to them. So, I always thought of him as being the one of the better athletes playing the linebacker position at Alabama. He was a precursor to those two uh, college football Hall of Fame players. Well, exactly. And, uh, yeah, there's just, again, so many. And EJ Jr. caught my eye. That's the one I would have expected, you would have said, out of that list. And, uh, yeah, another one, you know, from Pennsylvania. I saw a play. Uh, always, all these guys in person, Craig Hayward, Ironhead. Uh, he, he was a unique player, to, to put it mildly. And uh, another one that caught my eye was, uh, was again, Ed McCaffrey. You know, how, how crazy is that, given that his son Christian was obviously a top-ten pick, right, by the Carolina Panthers? Am I right about that a couple weeks uh, back? I can't remember the number. He was up there, but he was, he, he was a spectacular son. And, and Ed was a long, lanky 
uh, receiver that played you know very well for Stanford and in the pros. And but John, one one name that comes to mind for me, he was a dominating player was Eric Dickerson. Oh yes, I think those long strides and him that upright pose that he had in the backfield, and then he'd take off through the line and he just be gliding and and uh, you know a, a different type of running style. And he's someone that of all these players, when you watched him, I'm thinking well, he he could go the distance. And then you know Rocket, I think Rocket was he's a pretty spectacular yeah. player, Rocket Ishmael. Totally. When I think of him. And again, you know, I'm I'm really hitting the Pennsylvania connection heavy, but it's easy to do because there's a lot of them from there. But, you know, he was from Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. And I always remember him for that uh, punt return against Michigan, one of many he had. But that, I think, was, you know, we talked earlier about Steph Curry and signature plays. I think that was his signature play because if I remember correctly, you know, it was a late on a Saturday night and, you know, one of those rare games that the entire nation is not only glued to, but like everybody's talking about it for the entire week thereafter. Um, so yeah, just one of those games and he was just fabulous. And yeah, I mean, Eric Dickerson, of course, was teamed with Craig James in the backfield, uh, the famed Pony Express. And then that's the te- that was the team that ultimately led to the, to the death penalty, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Yeah, they had some shenanigans going on. It went all the way up to the governor's office in the state of Texas. Exactly right. Yes, no doubt about it. Uh, another one, because I remember him in college, kind of timely given his recent retirement, was, of course, Calvin Johnson. Uh, you know, played for Georgia Tech. And this is one of those things, you know, and you and I have the same kind of memory. I just remember tuning in one night to a, you know, Georgia Tech game. And, you know, don't know that I really was very aware of the receiver named Calvin Johnson. Yes. And this was like his junior, senior year. And this happens, you know, from time to time, uh, you know, with uh, schools of that size. And all of a sudden, you know, they were like, you know, talking about his career at Georgia Tech. And then he proceeded to put on a show on national TV. And uh, again, I think that's the night, you know, he burst into the national sporting consciousness and we all know what he became uh megatron what else can you say right <laughs> yeah he, he was exceptionally talented athletically and then he had good skills he could high point the ball and just it's very difficult to guard him i mean when you watched him come off the bus you, you know you're asking yourself who is this i mean what position does he play because he looks so so uh, good in a football uniform and uh he, he was tremendous for georgia tech and and somebody, you know, playing in that offense, I mean, you just couldn't stop him. Correct. Exactly. Um, you know, Ken Norton Jr., son of, of course, Ken Norton, who beat uh, Muhammad Ali in one of the most famous fights ever. And, you know, uh, Ken Norton Jr., I remember watching him at UCLA. And then they went on to great things uh, in the NFL as well, Cowboys 49ers. And, uh, but yeah, again, I remember him very well at UCLA. Uh, and then right below him in the, on the list is Phil Olson, who I believe was Merlin Olson's son, right? At Utah. That, that was his brother. That was his brother. Oh, it was a brother. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh 69. yeah. I'm looking at the name. Yeah, he was, yeah, that was his brother. I, I remember him as well. I sure do. You know, we didn't get to see him play that much, mostly in the all-star games. That's when we saw him run some highlights. 
Correct. Correct. Uh, another name, Jim Otis. I mean, I remember Jim Otis with those, what at the time appeared, you know, was the undefeated Ohio State teams of the late 60s. We thought they were never going to beat. We thought they were going to run the table for three national championships in a row. Yes. Rex Kern was the quarterback. Jim Otis was the fullback. And, you know, then they got famously upset by Michigan in what was, I guess, their junior year. They had won it as sophomores, the national title, and were clearly expected to win it that year and then their senior year. Michigan ruined that, but I always remember Jim Otis, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, they had those but, uh, 10 or 11 sophomores on that 68 team. I mean, that, that I'll tell you that even back then, you know, coaches get nervous when they put in a young player, but that team won a national title in 68 with 10 or 11 sophomores, and uh, they were very yep. good. And Jim, Jim, Jim Otis was one of the stars of that team. So, yeah, I always remember him uh, with Ohio State with that face mask he had, that one where it came down over the nose, that, you know, I don't know if you remember the Hushchon. Yep. I, I sure do. Single single frame coming down over the nose and yeah he, he was a great ball player yeah it's probably about time for him to get in i think uh but when i'm going through this list john what i try to do initially is just go through the list and if i remember players being really exceptional when they and all are very good and no question about it, they all are were fabulous players in their own right but the ones that stand out like at the you know at the top of your uh list I'll just put them down, and then I'll see how many I come up with, and then I'll just really kind of uh, deviate from that when I make my final, uh, you know, selections. Well, exactly, exactly. That's just exactly what I did. I went through the list of, uh, you know, and it's a long list, 75 players and six coaches from the football subdivision, football bowl subdivision, and then 98 players and 31 coaches from the divisional ranks. I didn't even get into them. Right. Some names we all recognize from there, too, but you can only do so much, so much in one show. But, yeah, that's kind of what I did. I just went through, and uh, the list I just read was the names that just jumped out at me that I instantly recognized and had memories of. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm um, like you. That, that sort of was my first cut. Uh, but it, it is. It's a tough one, AP, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. John, did you notice that we have two Aaron Taylors? Uh, maybe you recall both of them. I do. I did notice that. Exactly. <laughs> I certainly remember the one from Notre Dame. No doubt about that. Yeah, um, yeah the one but, from Notre Dame, I think he was from Concord, California, went to De La Salle, I think. Right. And then, and then I remember the one from Nebraska, too. But the one from Notre Dame, people might recall him because he's on television. Correct. And they both played in the 90s. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Well, there's still a few more to get to, a lot more to get to, uh, but why don't we take our break now? Uh, feels like it's our fastest segment of the year every year when we do this, uh, to say the <laughs> least. There's, you know, we're just hitting the, you know, uh, the highlight, the, the condensed version, shall we say, but why don't we take our break? There's certainly some more names that I just want to touch on. I'm sure you do too, and we'll do so on the other side. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. 
That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Check your feelings at the door and enter the man cave. Don't let the name fool you because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and friends are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. Back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is, of course, Wednesday night's Dubs-Cavs Game 3 from Cleveland. Should be a great one. And uh, A.P., continuing on with our review of the College Football Hall of Fame ballot, a couple of other names that jumped out at me, uh, Troy Palomalu, from USC, of course, he went on to a, what will be a Hall of Fame career for the Steelers. But, you know, I was thinking of him when the Steelers uh, drafted uh, a month or two ago, Juju James Schuster out of USC. And, of course, uh, before Palomalu, the Steelers had drafted Lynn Swan. So uh, just... Because I remember the day they drafted Palomalu, and I remember Palomalu, of course, at college, that there was, like, dancing in the streets in Pittsburgh because they're built on defense, as we know, and he was, like, the the link to the steel curtain. And, boy, he certainly produced on the field, as he did at USC, to say the least. Oh, yeah, he was a dominant player in college, John, and he probably one of the candidates uh, he gets strong consideration. You know, when I'm looking through this list, John, I – I'm trying to give all the positions, uh, you know, vote for someone in the different positions if I believe that they're in that, that category that, that merits my vote. Because I don't want to have it, you know, so many running backs or too many wide receivers. You're trying to be fair to everybody in the list and, and weigh those factors when you're, you know, submitting your final ballot. Correct. Yes, yes. That, that's very important. You can't just choose... You know, 10 quarterbacks, so it would be easy to do. Uh, yes. So that's a good way to do it. Uh, and, you know, AP, speaking of quarterbacks, uh, another name that really jumps out at me, more for pros than college, but I remember him well at college, Antoine Randall L. He, of course, was uh, the quarterback for Indiana, super mobile, and he went on to the Steelers, where he played a lot of receiver. But more importantly, I was at the Super Bowl in 05 when they beat the Seahawks, and a lot of people wouldn't know this, that 
Antoine Randoel is the one who threw the pass to Heinz Ward, who then skipped over the goal line. That was the cover of Sports Illustrated that week. Heinz Ward was named MVP. And I've always thought, what a great trivia question. Uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger was the quarterback, but Antoine Randoel, former <laughs> quarterback from Indiana, made that pass that Heinz Ward turned into really. You know, a famous play, and again, cover of Sports Illustrated, an MVP trophy, and but it all started on that play with Antoine Randoel. Yeah, John, you'd win a lot of bets, let me tell you, because uh, I don't recall that moment myself, so uh, I'd keep that fact hidden when you really needed a few few extra coins it, in your pocket. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I was, <laughs> I was in Ford Field the day it happened, so it, it was just a great moment, uh, to say the least. And speaking of, uh, you know, the Steelers and rivals, I mean, you know, seeing Ed Reed and Ray Lewis on the same ballot, I mean, how, how appropriate is that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those guys were dominant uh, at their positions. Unbelievable. I mean, you don't find a safety that can dominate like Ed Reed. It's just unusual. You know, you find good players and you, you think of them in the secondary, but you don't think of them as being, well, we have to watch this person on defense. They might take over the run game and the pass game. Exactly, exactly. Um, another one that really has a personal connection to me is Troy Vincent, uh, currently NFL VP of Football Operations. Uh, I've done a lot of work with Troy as a writer, and uh, he, of course, was a fantastic player at Wisconsin, first-round draft pick of the Miami Dolphins, uh, while at Wisconsin, first-team All-American, you know, runner-up for the 91 Thorpe Award, two-time All-Big Ten selection, 91 Big Ten Co-Defensive Player of the Year, finished his career as Wisconsin's leader in punt return yards and passes defended, uh, tremendous player, and he, of course, may be best remembered from his playing career uh, as part of that spectacular Philadelphia Eagles defensive backfield with uh, the likes of Bobby Taylor, and they were just tremendous. And, uh, you know, they did great things with the Eagles. And uh, so, yeah, uh, he's just a tremendous person, joy to work with, and... Uh, Someone that I'm rooting hard for to make uh, the College Football Hall of Fame. I think he's deserving, and uh, we'll see how it all turns out. But, again, someone who uh, is obviously a personal favorite of mine. Yeah, John, I remember him as multi-talented, like you said, returning the punts. He was a, a fairly big player for his position, really athletic, and when you have somebody like that at Wisconsin, they stand out because they're not noted for the speed as much as other teams, let's say, but they're, you know, good football uh, program. But when they have a player like uh, uh, Troy, it, it's very noticeable. Correct. And Troy, of course, speaking of Pennsylvania, as I have been throughout this, uh, he grew up in Trenton, New Jersey, but he played football at uh, Pensbury High School uh, in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, just across the river from New Jersey, and uh, just a noted football powerhouse. They actually played uh, my town's high school, Altoona, Pennsylvania. Also had a good football team, and uh, so yeah, I, I mean, he he really, uh, you know, 
had a tremendous career dating back to high school, was well known back in his high school days for his, uh, you know, his great career at Pensbury. Uh, so yeah, it, it's just, uh, again, great to see these names. Uh, another name I notice here is, uh, you know, Ron Rivera. I mean, it's funny how, you know, obviously known today as coach of the Carolina Panthers, went to the Super Bowl a couple years ago when they lost to the Broncos. But, you know, he had quite the career well before his coaching. He, of course, was on the Bears' famous defense in 1985, linebacker. But here he is on the College Football Hall of Fame ballot as well. So I, I always just get a big kick out of how these guys careers are, you, you know, just uh, so spectacular from the beginning. Yeah, John, it's funny. I was looking at those dates. I actually saw him practice at University of California one Sunday. You did? I, was, I sure did. I was there visiting, and I went over to the uh, Berkeley campus for the first time, and uh, Joe Cap was the coach. Wow. And uh, heck, he, he actually uh, must have played against Alabama, Coach Bryant's final game. I'll have to go back and look at that, but he, he must have played in that game. And uh, so, yeah, I remember he was tall, uh, you know, tenacious and a good football player. Absolutely. And he certainly turned into a good coach as well. And we're coming near the end of the show, AP, hard to believe. Uh, why don't we close it out with just someone uh, on the coaching front who you just spoke with face-to-face, if I'm not mistaken, Frank Beamer, legend, from Virginia Tech, and now on the College Football Playoff Committee. Oh, oh yeah, uh, Frank Beamer talked to him, but John, just go back to Ron Rivera. Yeah, he played for oh. California. Alabama's last game was against Illinois, but but for yes, Frank Beamer. I had a good conversation with him, and he's on the committee now to make the decision. So he, he's a person that takes it very seriously. He's trying to give back to the game, and uh, I believe he's a good good choice. To be on that committee because he's a you know great football coach, and I think I even mentioned that to him. I think he'll be on the ballot here pretty soon, and sure enough, he is. And uh, you know, I'm sure he's going to get my vote because he did a lot for the game. He was unique in his way he won, and it wasn't at a, a, a blue blood type of program, but he put together some fabulous teams. Yeah, he created the Virginia Tech that we know today, and again, right. uh, will always be remembered for. Uh, special teams. I mean, he just like uh, brought new meanings to the importance of special teams. That will be his legacy in my mind. So, uh, what a list, AP. How uh, incredible as it is every single year. Oh yeah, I'm gonna have fun putting together my ballot as always. And uh, Simeon Rice is the only name I would have mentioned. He was unblockable at Illinois. Yes, I remember that linebacker. He was just and sort of. Sort of defensive back as well, or defensive lineman as well. Uh, whatever it took, he was getting to the quarterback. Uh, well, AP, this has been great. Love uh, talking college football with you, particularly this list every year, and uh, and great perspective. So, thank you as always for joining us today. Well, thank you, John. Look forward to it next time. All righty, and as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. And we'll talk sports again next week.